Hello everyone, today I, Tao Manir, your showrunner, sound designer, etc., am sitting down with our dearly beloved Hannah Wright to talk to her about script editing, directing, and probably producing. Yay! Yay! Hi everyone. <laughs> it's fun being asked questions, I never get interviewed. I much prefer to be on the asking uh, questions side of, the, side of things, so... Oh, this works out great for everybody then. Woohoo! Yeah, this is going to be an awesome bonus episode. Um, We haven't decided (laughs) what we're calling it yet. I'm hoping one of us has like a nice quote that we can pull for the title. No pressure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so uh, for this beautiful, beautiful interview here, I've kind of split it up into sections. I wanted to start with script editing because that was kind of the first thing that you really did. I am an executive producer on this show, but I'm the producer who sends all the emails. So like I've done a little bit of everything, but I've also like mainly my job was just email mailing people <laughs> which is I realize it's it's not nothing but like I can't take credit as the main script editor because that was very much what Steven did so Steven took the text of the book and then put all of the speaker headers on there and split up everyone's monologues and tried to find you know mostly what I did was I went through and looked for places where we could break up paragraphs Alan Bergen is really, really good at reading a page-long paragraph (laughs) and just, like, going for it and owning it and doing a great job at it. But I didn't want to do that to everybody. (laughs) So, yeah, breaking up paragraphs, uh, making sure that everyone's lines were differentiated. There were, you know, a couple that Stephen overlooked, which is not Stephen's fault. Uh, There's a lot of script. I added um, tone markers where we were trying to go for particular tones, which backfired occasionally, but also I was the one who put in the marker as bisexual as possible on some of Kareem's line. The best marker in the show. (laughs) I'm, I'm very pleased about that. But like, you know, there's a lot of pieces where the tone could be taken a few different ways. And I wanted to make sure that especially for the bits of the script, which is the vast majority of the script that the actors were going to be doing on their own. They understood what our vision was for like the piece that they were working on. I also went through and found content warnings. I like to tell people that I had never read Dracula until this last year, (laughs) at which point I have read it three or four times. Speaking of content warnings, how did you decide what to pull for the the content warnings? That was a little bit tricky. So basically, I knew that there was going to be some standard like triggering stuff like sexism and blood (laughs) and horror. (laughs) So like I I looked for things that were going to be unexpected content warnings. Like you go into a Dracula podcast, you know that there's going to be blood and sexism and horror. So I didn't warn for any of that. That was kind of, your your mileage may vary. Obviously, not all of our, our listeners understood necessarily what all was uh, intrinsic to the book. But I, I figured, you know, it's a Victorian novel that we're adapting. And for the most part, the vast majority of people know what to expect as far as that's concerned. What I was looking for was surprise racism um, or surprise ableism, because that was the kind of stuff, you know, it was really helpful participating in Dracula Daily last year because I I got to see what people reacted really poorly to. Like, I got to see people being like, oh, my gosh, Seward is so ableist or, oh, my gosh, do they really talk this way about people with mental illnesses or, oh, my gosh, that's racist what Lucy just said. And, and, And because I saw all of that and like what people were finding like really troubling and upsetting. I knew kind of going in what to look for. 
uh, I've been like a little bit over careful, I think, with some of the like Dracula is describing how, you know, his quote unquote race, even though that's fake, is better than all of the surrounding quote unquote races of people that live around Transylvania. Like I- I'm definitely like I'm mourning for that because as like an outdated ethnic stereotype because it's upsetting to people. It's still a problem in the way that people in Europe treat each other. And it's not something that I wanted to spring on listeners the first time if they didn't know about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, And then there's other stuff. There's like suicidal ideation that we warn about. There's the use of narcotics, which for people who struggle with addiction can be a trigger. Death of a child. I have a friend who's very, very bothered about like child death not being tagged. And like, you know, the last thing I want to do is mess up my friend or anyone else who is troubled by such things. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think we make the child death especially a lot worse in the audio adaptation. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of my fault, really. I added in all the baby sound. Oh <laughs> that warning especially. I saw it beforehand and I was like, oh, yeah, like they are absolutely uh, chowing down on a child there. We should have that trigger warning. Oh, my gosh. And then <laughs> as I was doing the sound design, I was putting like these cries in and then like the cries get cut off. I was like, oh, I am so glad we have this warning. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your sound design is you're so good at it. And it's to say that like what you have done is awful like like it's morally <laughs> abhorrent and for sure very troubling but like objectively as sound design it's excellent so it's awful good job thank you <laughs> i feel like if you're sound designing horror you want it to kind of be awful exactly exactly yes i uh you know i think of our mutual friend uh csw who's like it's glorying and tearing apart cabbages and putting his hands in raw meat to do Foley for his horror podcast. Uh, like Inspirational. Y'all are great. I'm just, I'm so proud of you guys. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to pivot on uh, the topic of awful to a different kind of awful. Um, I know we just discussed <laughs> a bunch of the content warnings in the story. Um, and we both know that there were parts of the novel that we slightly modified i want to say mm-hmm. in our adaptation which we said we were going to to do from the start yep i like that we did that i think it's a little bit controversial to some people i wanted to basically just ask well how did y'all decide what to what to change well it was mostly the slurs you know like yeah i think that there's a place for actors acting out racist characters um especially if that racism is interrogated and not portrayed well. You're supposed to tell all kinds of stories, but it's not our story to tell nor our place to try and interrogate racism without actually adapting the text so that it actually interrogates the racism that the text perpetuates. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I couldn't in good conscience ask an actor of color. Like, there are lines that Mina has where she is saying slurs, and I couldn't ask Isabel to say some slurs and then just not talk about how messed up that is. Yeah. So, like, that that's mostly it. Is, is I want to respect the time and integrity of the actors that we're asking to act out this text that we know is not a shining example of ethical morality. And at the same time, you know, not, try not to make a statement that the book isn't making. The ones that we changed were slurs. They, we also made modifications to the bit of Lucy's letter where she's talking about Quincy Morris and says a racist thing about Othello. 
which is very much in tune with the sort of things that people would say at the time, but not something that's properly interrogated or even portrayed negatively in the text. So mm -hmm. at Beth Ayer's request, because Beth is a professor of literature, we, we talked about how we could change that or modify that just a little bit so that a, Beth doesn't say have to say something racist, and B, we don't have racism that doesn't go un unexamined in in the story. Yeah, and I think from a from an outside perspective, as someone who who wasn't really messing with the text, I think y'all did a really good job. We didn't change many words at all. I think the word count that we changed is, I don't know, less than thirty, but. <laughs> They were important words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So moving a little more towards the directing aspect, I was going to ask if your work as a script editor helped you direct, but you already like talked about tone indicators and whatnot. So it sounds like in a lot of ways they kind of went hand in hand almost. Yeah. My, my main experience with directing has been with works that I have either written or I can go and talk to the author and be like, what does this mean in this bit? Obviously, we can't do that with Bram Stoker. So I, I took on the script editing part of it as part of the directing. I wasn't going to be present for most of the recording of the whole novel. And so I knew that if we wanted to hit certain points, all we had to do was let the, the actors know and they'd take it from there. And they did. Oh my gosh, they're amazing. I wanted to delve more into what the directing process was like. So do you want to just delve into how you and Ella and Steven did directing? Absolutely. So the first thing that Steven did was make a spreadsheet with all of the episodes and highlight the ones that they thought needed live direction, which was extremely helpful for me, the person sending all the emails. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we went over that and we ruled some out. And then I emailed everyone and said, hey, what are your schedules for the next two months? And started arranging things. I don't have a spreadsheet um, at hand, but I did make a call sheet, Ooh. which was very helpful for, I like to think it was helpful for the actors to know when and where and what we were recording at any given day. Um, but it was also extremely helpful for me. <laughs> so we didn't record all of most episodes. Even the episodes that we recorded all together, we didn't record all of them all the time. There were chunks that we skipped over. It was mostly the important bits were the bits where we were having character interactions where they needed to play off of each other. You know, the, the real huge emotional moments. What comes to mind is in episode 88, which is October 3rd, which is The Chunker. The chunker. And here is where I'm going to say some spoilers. So if y'all want to skip forward like 15 seconds, the episode where Mina gets got by Dracula and is telling about that experience, we wanted to make sure that, A, the recounting of a horrific assault was done respectfully, but also that the various character interactions throughout that whole episode were like uh, on, on track and they matched each other and that kind of thing. So I, I think it was about 30 of the 110 episodes that we tried to record together, maybe 25. And the rest, we were like, here's a list of scripts. Here's what all your characters did. Go have fun. Have fun, kids. <laughs> did you give them any specific guidelines for those scripts? Or was it just like, you know the character, have fun. 
Well, that was actually one of the things, the first thing that we did with every actor when we first talked to them over voice was explain like, this is our vision for the character. This is the vibes that we're going for. These are the notes that we want to hit with this character. And actually, I, I want to back up here because we didn't have time to arrange this talk with Ella. Like we just did not have time to grab Ella's schedule and make sure it matched and get on all call together. But I have to emphasize enough that I was like very much learning from Ella the whole time. Like my directorial experience is a fraction of hers and she's absolutely brilliant. She's so good. She's so good. I mean, like more than half of what we directed live, she did. And she's incredible. And it also helped that she was in the UK <laughs> and I am not. And so her schedule matched up with almost everyone a little bit better than mine did. I also want to point out that Steven didn't want to direct on this project, but oh gosh, can I tell a story? Yes, please. Okay, so Ben Galpin, who is a genius and we love him, our, our John, my Jonathan and yours, Ben Galpin, he was actually, he lives in the UK, but he was on tour in the United States for the vast majority of the time when we were recording. So he's like trying to juggle a tour schedule and like trying to find a back room in some theater in North Carolina where he can like record <laughs> before he has to go out on stage and do puppets for several hours. And like, <laughs> A, he is a real trooper and a true professional and all of his audio was excellent. Like, he was like, hello, I'm in a random hotel room, but I can hear people walking up and down the hall. Hope that's not a problem. And it was never a problem. He's so good. Anyway, so we wanted to make sure that the first few episodes, which are the episodes you all have heard at this point, which are the ones where Jonathan and Dracula are interacting, we wanted to make sure that those got recorded with Kareem and Ben in the same room as soon as possible. So that like, even if everything terrible went wrong and he couldn't record anything while he was on tour in, in the US, that we would have the episode set up for the first month or two. And because of that, Steven ended up doing a lot of directing with uh, Jonathan and Kareem, which was really helpful for me because Steven is our, our dramaturge and he's the one who has the broad strokes vision of what regarding Dracula is supposed to be. So I got to watch him craft this core relationship between Jonathan and Dracula with Kareem and Ben. And then based on that, I used those ideas that he gave to carry through to the rest of the story and to talk with Ella about what we wanted from performances as well. And that was that was also amazing. So the the ones that say directed by Stephen Indrasano, I was also on the call and I was just sitting back like, yes, yes, <laughs> tell me more, Stephen. Yes, great job, Stephen. <laughs> I don't know if that answers the question, but it feels like context for the directing and, and how it worked. Basically, we we did table reads um, to start with. We talked about characters and characterization with the, the actors while we did table reads. And then we would do a couple of takes of everything that we wanted recorded live. And then I went through every bit of audio that we got <laughs> and made note of where we needed pickups. And that's, and that's how we did directing. Hey! I have a really specific question that no one told me to ask, but I know people will want to know. Who made the decision that Kareem would switch to a British accent for that one line? Like, whose call was that? I don't even know. Ooh, <laughs> it was Stephen. Okay, so Stephen had the idea, ooh, it would be really spooky if for gothic thematic purposes, the idea of mirroring and the idea of Dracula trying to eat Jonathan and take his identity 
if Dracula just perfectly did Jonathan's accent on this line. Um, I narrowed it down to only the saying. And then it turned out, you know, like we, we tried to make it so that Kareem, like Kareem's Dracula accent, for lack of a better term, like would die down over time. But that didn't exactly work with what we wanted. So, yeah, I was the one who said it should only be the little saying. You English have a saying, you know, but Stephen was the one who'd be like, oh, you know, what'd be real spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my my perspective on that whole on that whole thing, um, you probably know, but I don't know if the other people listening know, is that I'm the sound designer. Steven does the dialogue editing. Which means that Steven takes all of the raw audio and chops it up and makes sure everyone's lines are in the right places and then makes that into a set of files and sends it to Tal, who adds sound effects and music. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so Stephen does the dialogue editing. You, Stephen, and Ella did a lot of the directing, handling the recording. So a lot of the time, I'm hearing our characters and our actors acting for the first time as I sit down to sound design. And so I, <laughs> I got to that one line, just sitting at my computer, just... For my first listen, I always build the texture and like sort of the ambiance. And I got to it and I was just kind of freaking out at my desk. I was like, no, they didn't. <laughs> it, was, it was a really good moment. Oh, it's so good. It, it, it came through so spooky. <laughs> I, I love being such a fan of our team. Like, right? I feel like, you know, we all work together and whatnot. We have the same same vision, but also like, I just love what everyone else is doing. And I feel like I'm such a fan of the show I help make. Yeah, it's it's kind of nice. Like on my other show, I'm the showrunner and the director and the writer. And the only thing I don't do basically is the sound design. I made that show for me. So obviously I'm a fan of that show. With this show, it's like I am only a cog in a beautiful uh, clockwork monstrosity that's making a gorgeous horror show and I just I love it so much you're right you're right it's absolutely right it's it's getting to be a fan of the thing that you're making speaking of in between <laughs> a show that I am also such a big fan of that is INN in between will be crowdfunding on the 19th check us out try us out we're a lighthearted fantasy show it's nothing like regarding Dracula except for found family I guess but check us out question mark it's it's such a good show I'm so excited about it. But yeah, you just mentioned that there's almost nothing the same between those two shows except, you know, like found family, excellent actors, whatnot. But you've done directing for both of them at this point. Yes. And what's similar and different between the two? I think what's similar is the strength of the characters. Like, you know, not to brag, but <laughs> I really like character forward stories. And because of that, you know, in between is a very character forward story. The character development is the whole point. I think that Dracula actually fits that bill really well because like, A, you know, because it is a piece of literature that we're adapting, there is so much depth that can be gleaned that you sometimes just don't get with an audio drama script. I mean, like, a skilled writer will try to include that as much as they can. But, you know, a typical audio drama script is is much more dialogue heavy. So, like, being able to read into the thought processes in the journal entries gives so much texture and depth to each character. Even, like, the little one-off characters, like... Oh my gosh, there's a there's a, uh, an Irish doctor named Patrick Hennessy that Graham plays later in the story. And it's just like, there is enough in Dr. Hennessy's report to Seward to tell you a lot about this dude. There's a lawyer 
that uh, Jonathan gets into a lawyer fight with later on. That's actually, it's going to be so funny. I'm really excited for that. I will spoil nothing for y'all, but it's going to be, oh, you thought Jonathan Sims is the jump scare. <laughs> all that, like all that to say, because there's so much depth, I, I get, it gets to be very character forward in a way that really suits me. When Isabel is like, what does Mina mean when she says this? Or when Johnny asks, you know, what exactly is Seward saying in this bit? What does he mean by this? I get to be like, ah, well, you see the text. And uh, this because there's a lot to glean from, there is a lot. It, it, it becomes very functional in, in a character development kind of way. And it's, it's very easy to direct compared to some things. Um, so that's been great. Yeah. Oh, that's what's the same. What's different is... Horror? <laughs> What's different is horror. Yeah, I've only gotten really into horror in the last couple of years. And that's been mainly through audio drama, which I, I count myself very lucky for because I really, I love audio horror. Partly because I'm a person who doesn't picture things in my head. Like when I'm reading a book, I don't picture what's going on. I just don't. And because of that, I can handle horror in audio the way that some people can't because I'm not imagining what's going on in the horror. I'm just kind of living in the head of the person experiencing it, which is scary in its own way, but it doesn't get to me like visual horror does sometimes. And this is really where Ella was so helpful in like, I, I was definitely like sitting, it was like the Spider-Man meme of sitting there being the Miles to her Peter B. Parker, uh, <laughs> watching her direct sometimes. And the way that she talked about, um, you know, it's more horrifying in this moment if, for example, if Mina is not screaming wildly. It's more scary if she is holding back and you can feel how much she's holding back. It's it's less scary if Van Helsing is like a triumphing hero played by, uh, I don't know who's that guy that played him in Van Helsing. <laughs> Shoot, I I don't know. I can't. Wolverine. I can't help you here. Wolverine guy. What's his oh, name? Oh, oh, um, mm. <laughs> the pointy man. He's really the pointy. Po the pointy man with the Wolverine claws. We're gonna get so many tweets. Um, um, I'm looking it up. We we can't. Uh, we can't. Leave we can't it like end this. without. There's people yelling into their uh, pod catchers right now. Uh, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Thank you, Hugh Jackman. That said, you know it's it's scarier if Van Helsing is a scared old man with a history of trauma doing his best rather than a wild action hero played by Hugh Jackman. And and like, you know, the, the ways in which you tone down certain things for horror was A, a really valuable lesson to me, but B, also like a, a great learning experience for what horror is and how you communicate that in an audio setting through directing. That was like, I don't know. I feel like I took a masterclass hanging out with Ella. I'm not even joking. Oh man, you talking about Van Helsing? Um, I finally, uh, at this point, have been sound designing episodes where he's in, and I got to the again. Okay, big big spoilers for the month of September. Skip ahead again, I guess. <laughs> when uh, Lucy's mom takes away all all the flowers, and she's like almost dead again, and for the first time, we hear Van Helsing kind of break down, and like yes! Alan just sobbing. I was like. Oh my gosh, it hit me so hard. And I know oh it's going to hit yeah. uh, the audience so hard. I'm going to have to decide if I'm cutting this part out or not, because I almost <laughs> want them to have the same moment I did of like, 
oh my god, he's breaking down. Like, he doesn't know what to do. Oh, it's so good. Um, He's the guy that knows what to do and he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Like, I feel like you get really good moments like that with the combination of directing and acting. Yes. I don't know if I directed Alan Moore or Ella did, but either way, it was like, oh my gosh, the man's so good. He's so good. He's the perfect Van Helsing. Yeah. Ugh. I'm such a fan of everyone involved in this. Oh, me too. Oh, but this is a this is a really good segue. Oh, good. Speaking of actors, I'm asking this question like I don't know, <laughs> but what was the casting process like? Okay, so yeah, we definitely went in with closed auditions because basically from the beginning, we had an idea of what kind of sounds that we wanted. Ella also had like, Ella was heavily involved with the casting process. She had very good suggestions on who to invite in on the closed casting process. But we had like ideas for sounds of people like, okay, uh, I think Alistair was always going to be the captain of the Demeter. Yeah. The coincidence with the, the Magnus Archive <laughs> was too good to pass up. <laughs> and also Kareem. We didn't audition anyone else uh, for Dracula. Mm-hmm. Kareem was always going to be Dracula. And that was also a Steven idea. With the rest, you know, I I always want to, when I'm casting, you know, usually I have an idea of who I would like to cast, but I always want to hear people kind of in the headspace try and and read sides and things, you know. So I was really glad that I got to hear all of these talented people try out for for each role. Mm -hmm. I was really grateful that we had chosen such amazing people to like, audition and also that we found the exact right voice every for every person uh-huh yeah we did open casting for some other roles um as i'm sure you know anyone who was following not too long before we started the show but like we don't know many i think we know maybe one romanian um <laughs> and they're a mutual friend <laughs> yeah and we and we cast them then <laughs> we cast them um yeah because they, they knew what we were open casting but yeah we did open casting for uh folks who were locals in places that we definitely just don't know anybody um which was really helpful it's always it's always helpful to get open casting from people whose expertises are outside of your zone of expertise mm-hmm. so yeah closed casting was all we needed i want to talk a little bit more about the casting process because I remember we had it to the point where we had all of our auditions and we had a had a spreadsheet with each character, each actor, and then notes for all of us. And then we like got on a call and made all of our final decisions. Yes. And I thought it was really funny how on some characters we were all just immediately like, yes, this person, period. And then some some characters, there was more discussion i guess for lack of a better word yeah there was a lot of a uh, discussion for i would say like i guess mina probably got a lot of discussion right yeah i remember mina being the one yeah because we weren't necessarily sure what all each of us wanted from mina and you know talking through that her characterization and, and what we wanted from an actor putting forth that characterization was really helpful in that case but then there were some of them where it was just like this guy this that one this one that one is good <laughs> I remember we all listened to uh, Giancarlo's audition at different times. And I oh remember gosh, just like, in our chat, one by one, we would send like a blushing cowboy emoji. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, <laughs> it's a good voice. <laughs> 
Yeah. If you, uh, by the way, listeners, if you want to hear Giancarlo doing more of that, you should listen to Caravan. I just want to say that. Listen to Caravan Uh. anyway, because it's really good. It's good is the thing. Okay. Anyway, carry on. (laughs) I remember we had David all audition for a couple of, I'm just going to call them the main dudes. Yeah. We had him audition for Seward and for Jonathan. I remember we were like, this guy sounds like Prince Charming. Yeah. So we were like, is it too Prince Charming for Jonathan? Does he rate high enough on the Blurbo scale? <laughs> yeah, like, I think it's so funny that uh, David got, like, the secret bonus character. Yeah, I wrote sides. Like, I picked sides and wrote a character description for Lord Godalming for, for art. But we didn't end up putting anyone in that role just because compared to the other roles, it's very small. But because we had a perfect Prince Charming trying out for everything else, it's like, hey, David, so I can't give you any of the roles you tried out for, but... (laughs) It just, uh, it worked out so perfectly. It did. Can you imagine if we auditioned Jonathan Sims and didn't cast him? Yeah, so I believe Johnny auditioned for a couple of roles also. Um, I know he auditioned for Jonathan Harker. Although the things that he is known best for right now are... uh, cynical academic who is majorly depressed uh reads aloud notes from ethically dubious institutions <laughs> he's an extremely good actor he was in second star to the left and he's great he's in super suits as like a cheesy announcer and he's great like please everyone just branch out into what all jonathan sims has done that's not depressed academic and you will find a whole world of a new wonderful audio dramas but b appreciation for the man johnny sims who is great that said he's like the perfect sword i mean come on. <laughs> yeah i remember we we listened to his seward and we we're all on the call and we were like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it that's it. i do want to shove this man in a locker <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that was, uh, we had a Blurbo scale for Jonathan, and then we had the, do we want to shove this man into a locker rating for Seward? <laughs> I only say that, I say that with love. Of all the characters in Dracula, Seward is the one who is most like me. And so I naturally hate him. Uh. <laughs> I don't I don't hate Seward, but I do definitely think he needs to be shoved in a locker. That's That's mostly it. I do think my favorite part of the casting process was ranking all of our Jonathans on a Blorbo scale. Yes, yeah, we 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 had a Blorbo scale from one to ten. Um, just how Blorbo is this actor? <laughs> ben is so he is blorbo. so Blorbo. Oh my gosh! Should we tell listeners what that means? <laughs> yeah, so Blorbo is Tumblr shorthand for a character who is. Not heroic necessarily, but is someone that you deem precious and is possibly a little bit pathetic. And I I would say that the damsel in distress nature of (laughs) gothic heroine Jonathan Harker uh, definitely fits that bill. Uh, We're getting closer to the end of my pre-written list of questions. I'm kind of pivoting more into just let's both talk a little bit from a producer standpoint. I know this answer for me, but for you, what has the reception to the show been like? So in some ways, I have been majorly taken aback by how popular this show is. I mean, like I knew it was going to have a following and I knew that the crowdfund was going to be successful and I knew that people were going to like it. But like, I, I, I have to check the Tumblr tag for regarding Dracula multiple times a day 
to catch up on it. Mm-hmm, me too. You know what? Honestly, it's like the the responses that we're getting, I feel like we're hitting the right notes. We're like people are are being receptive to what we're putting down. It's been I'm blown away. But also I knew y'all would like it. Like I knew it would be good. <laughs> like I knew I made this going in knowing it was we were making something amazing. So like on on the one hand, it's meeting my expectations in that way. And I'm just sitting here smug, like, mm, yes, exactly as I thought. Uh, but in another way, I'm just like, wow, y'all like this? You really like it. Wow, thanks. Yeah. Oh wow. No, I, t- I totally, I totally feel that. I have multiple other audio dramas some are finished some are ongoing and already like we're two months into the show and already the downloads have doubly surpassed everything else i've done combined and it's it's wild yeah (laughs) what's it like running the tumblr i ask this as the second person running the tumblr what's it like it's it's weird first of all the things that people put in your inbox are occasionally buck wild yeah like okay like all right let's talk about let's talk about van helsing for a minute i'm not gonna call anyone out because frankly i don't remember the name of the person who did this but after we cast van helsing and we posted the trailer and we knew van helsing's accent was not good alan was doing his best he had no training someone came into our inbox and said i do voice work and i'm actually dutch you should cast me instead after we've like confirmed that we're casting alan bergen and it's like can you imagine if we were like hey alan sorry uh a tumblr user is dutch and a voice actor and we're gonna hire them instead sorry that we like announced you and everything oh gosh i don't know i i think that like i I know about parasocial relationships and I know that a lot of people in the audio drama community, because it's such a a small and inclusive space, often experience some weird and gross parasocial relationships. But also it was like, what, what do you think we are that you can just come on in here and do this kind of thing? Um, also, to allay any fears, uh, we did hire a dialogue coach for Alan. Yeah, and we were always going to from the start. We were always going to do that because mm-hmm. we know that bad accent uh, Van Helsing is bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're trying to make a good show that's good. Yeah. This is only an example of the weird ass things that end up in that inbox. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for sitting down with me this fine afternoon and letting me ask you nosy questions about the the show. Oh, Tal, it is always a pleasure to chat with you and to talk about this cool thing that we're making. Yes, I love I love this cool thing we're making. I do too. It's pretty good. <laughs> Y'all haven't even heard like, ooh, mm. I've heard everything that they've dialogue edited and uh, sound designed so far and y'all are not ready. You are not prepared. You don't even know. <laughs> I I keep forgetting what's been released and, and what hasn't because like right now it's July and I am editing September stuff. And so like I'm deep in the those September shenanigans, but then I'm also helping run the Tumblr. And trying to keep up with, like, the current events. And I'm so worried, like, one day I'm going to, like, go on Tumblr and be like, man, that Van Helsing, huh? And people are going to be like, what? He's not even there. And I'm going to be so embarrassed. <laughs> but oh, there's there's good stuff coming. I can't wait. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be so good. Thank you so much for tuning into this part interview, part discussion. I had a lovely time. 
We didn't find a good quote for the title, but the producers got a bit silly in the group chat, and, well, we had to go with the pun. A big thanks to Hannah Wright for sitting down to chat. Dialogue editing was done this time by Tal Manier, with a little extra sound design on top. This episode was produced by Ella Watts and Pacific S. Obadiah, with executive producers Stephen Indersano, Tal Manier, and Hannah Wright. And we're still a Bloody FM production. I have to pause for one second because my mic is uh, making like a do, 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 do noise. Uh, so I don't know why. So I'm just going to unplug it and plug it back in. We'll see what happens. <laughs> why? Why? I'll unplug the scent now. The scent doesn't want to unplug. Something knocking against the cord or something? Yeah. Oh, maybe. Oh, my. There are balloons in here. Why aren't there balloons? Why? Why? I'm gonna eat you. Still? <laughs> uh, what if I unplug the focus right? Okay. Reset. Oh, it's not on the right mic now. Why? Okay. Okay, okay, okay. We're good, we're good. It's working now. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.